Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we are speaking with Dr. Oleg Konovalov. Oleg operated businesses in the UK and internationally for 25 years and now is concentrating on consultancy and speaking. He believes that good quality work always leads to good results, that when you put your heart and passion into everything you do, it will be rewarded. Be passionate about what you do for people and with people. As a businessman, Oleg always believed in the tremendous role of culture in a company's sustainability and strong people-focused leadership. These are the forces which define an inner strength of any organization. Although there are many books on leadership and culture, very few, if any, explain the roles and functions of culture, how it becomes negative, how to reverse a cultural decline, and the role of leaders in cultivating strong culture. Oleg does that in his book, Corporate Superpower. It is the result of many years of research and practical experience and offers a detailed explanation of the different facets of culture and discusses its nature, functions, and a leader's role resulting in more effective cultural sustainability and higher performance. Welcome, Dr. Oleg Konovalov. How are you? Thank you very much, Lily. Good morning, and it is an honor to be on your program. Well, we're so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? Yeah. Yes, you are. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so I'm hoping that the audio continues to be this good. Where are you currently located? At the moment, I'm on assignment in Russia, in Moscow. Wonderful. So you are our first international guest. Actually, our second. We have Cameron Brown, but you are our second, and that's exciting. It's an honor. (laughs) (laughs) So, Oleg, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? It wasn't simple. I was operating businesses for almost 30 years. So started somewhere in the age of 25, 26, started in transport and logistics and moved into the food production, then moved to the fishing industry and been involved in all sorts of things, catching production, international sales for good 20 years or even a bit more. You know, can I say that I was a real leader from a day one? Well, no. Mm-hmm. This is a long journey, and even sometimes I'm still questioning myself. Mm-hmm. Am I a proper leader? Mm-hmm. Particularly when are you meeting a really great leaders, you know, and it's always a question. This is a long journey of mistakes, trying, learning, reflections, cross, and again and again and again. So thinking back, I was driven by ideas mm. and thinking, okay, my team will accept it and they will be fully involved. Mm-hmm. But this is a huge mistake, you know, which I learned quickly. Leaders is only a talent which gives you, let's say, a bit of advantage. Then you must grow 
about everything that is sleeping less, working more. We need to learn all the time. You must be with people, not around them, not mm -hmm. in front of them. You need to be with them. That's important. And you can't get it from a day one. You need to learn it. You need to learn it by your guts. Even so, with my experience, I realized that it is not enough. I went for MBA, then for a doctoral degree, which I believe now is one of the wisest actions or steps because being a leader, you're mm -hmm. responsible to help others. Not mm -hmm. just, oh, I know something which I wouldn't tell you. No, you need to share it all the time with your staff, with your people, with your partners, with your customers. Four years ago, I sold my fishing industry business and went to the management consultancy, independent research and business book writing. What I found, knowledge is the dearest and most demanded product these days. In my area, like management, organizations, corporate culture, leadership, they're all this knowledge in a great demand. It's probably the greater demand than anything else. So these days I do management consulting, speaking, executive training, and I'm a business author. A few books under my belt. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. I want to tap yep. into something that you said, that you're a person who's driven by ideas. Yep. And in education, I think educators are the most creative people on the planet. So can you tell us a bit about what you mean by you're driven by ideas? First, it's my own courage. Okay, I think that this product would fit perfectly into the market. People will queue for it, you know, all mm -hmm. these things. Oh, it would be in a great demand. This is needed. But I can't move further or better rather than my team. Right. You know, no one could be a leader on his own. Right. So it's like a strength of a chain equal to the strength of the weakest link. Mm -hmm. So if mm -hmm. your team is not moving with you, or those creative educational leaders, they're creating some bright ideas, but if it's not supported, mm -hmm. they can't move far. That's quite a problem. Right. And, you know, ideas to me are the spark to everything. But you're absolutely right. If we have a plan to put it in place and that plan doesn't work, then we have to adjust our plan to what meets the needs. So I get it. I love it. Um, the other thing you said was the leader must be with people and not just around them. I consider the difference between a leader and a boss. Leader, he talks with his people and saying, look, whatever happens, I'm always with you. Boss would tell his people, tell me when you have a problem. This mm -hmm. sounds a bit scary. If you just, oh, I'm leading this company, or I'm leading this business, or I'm leading this college, it doesn't mean that you're really with people. You mm -hmm. might be somewhere behind, somewhere in front, somewhere aside, but you're just monitoring your people, how they're doing. Mm. Are they doing well, according to the financial report? Oh, yeah, I'm a good leader. No, mm -hmm. it's not true. You need to be with people. For instance, talking in terms of corporate culture, is this is an energy of all people brought together all their capacities, all their talents, where they're supporting each other. In this sense, if you're quoting yourself as a leader, you must have put the biggest chunk of this energy on the table. But if you're staying somewhere aside, you can't bring it in. You're so, just a user of their energy. So yeah. you're a boss. 
So you describe culture as an energy of people where they are supporting each other. Yeah, in achieving one goal. Love it. Okay, so how would you describe your leadership style? I don't think it's really solutions and clear prescriptions in management. So Mm -hmm. because one day you act in one way, another day you act in another way. But as I said, leader is not one single person. Leader is someone with the most responsibilities supported by a group of people, inspired, encouraged, and engaged by him. So this group of people are facing challenges together, growing together, learning together, and learning from each other. I understood it quite early. I need to help people to grow together with me or learn something or discover something. I could say that I'm more of a leader coach. Mm -hmm. This would be my style. It's one side. Another side, helping people. I'm learning a lot from them, a ton of the things every day from them. And Mm -hmm. that's helping me to get better. This is, defines my duty. It's like a perpetual cycle. I'm helping my people to become excellent professionals. And they're helping me to become a better leader. Mm. And so we're growing together. This is why I'm taking this approach and I love it. And I think you phrased it beautifully where you said you were a coach and a learner. That's yes. the type of leader you are. I employed, for instance, someone who is excellent, let's say in marketing. Mm-hmm. or just is extremely creative or she is extremely creative person. That's a great chance to learn something mm-hmm. from this person. You know, why I should miss it? It's a gift from heaven. Right. Thank you. Yes, and it's funny because as you're talking, I'm thinking about someone that I had hired some time ago who was so much better than I was in a space that really benefit the company. And I hired her because not only would we do well, but I would benefit myself. I would learn so much from her. And I think a leader who is secure about who they are and empowers others is an important leader. We all have different logic or pattern of thinking. What I'm learning from these people, even the way how they think about something, because they're right, on certain subjects, you need to have a special way of thinking. Mm -hmm. You can't be just like, you know, marching to the subject and saying, hey, do this and do that. No, Mm -hmm. it doesn't work. You need to be artful. And Mm -hmm. so using different approaches. Now, did you say you need to be artful? Yes, you need to be really artful. I've not heard that before, Oleg. Tell me about that. How should a leader be artful? Let's imagine you are dealing with your customers on a daily basis, your clients. How different their expectations, depending on the weather, depending on the day of the month. It's everything ever so dependent. How different they would behave in some kind of turbulent times. And this is like watching an ocean which changes the color or shades of it Mm -hmm. every time, every single moment. You need to be artful to reflect it and respond to it. You can't offer the same thing all the time. It's not just boring, it's suicidal. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about education, we all know who involved in teaching. Groups are different in terms of level of the knowledge or responsiveness of the students. We know that students are different from year one to year two. Right. And so you need to work with them differently. You can't offer them the same prescription, the mm-hmm. same way of presenting their subjects, whatever you're teaching, because you need to get them all to the same high level. 
Right. So sometimes you need to be more creative. Sometimes you need to put more effort. Always you need actually to get them more engaged in this learning, but what instruments you will use. So we need to be artful. Leadership needs to be artful. I love it. And I appreciate you artfully unfolding that for us. So thank, <laughs> thank you. you. <laughs> so, um, Oleg, which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? I don't think I would be much original, but Nicola Machiavelli wisely suggested the best fortress is to be found in the love of the people. What happens? I've seen a lot, and I believe, Lily, you've seen a lot of such people as well. They're corrupted by the leader's power. Mm-hmm. They're just building fortresses because they're not leaders. They're just some kind of administrators because they just want to rule, not to lead. And this is a great definition. Work with people. Use all your leader's power and influence to serve people. And what would happen is, these people will pay you back threefold with their love, respect, support, loyal approach, you know, with everything. Mm-hmm. This is quite important. And another issue is actually Peter Drucker, because for me, he is like a business god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. He said that no one should be appointed to a managerial position if he focuses on people's weaknesses. Look, people will never forget how they've been treated. So praising their best qualities is probably rewarding many times over. Everyone has weaknesses, but everyone has strengths. And so helping these people grow is most rewarding part of this leadership job or duties. This is why I consider those two issues quite important. And I appreciate that. We do need to focus on the strengths because, you know, when you're a leader and you're focusing on my strengths, then I'm more open to be coached on my challenges and on my weaknesses when I know that you have my back, that you're supporting me. Absolutely. And also, think for a moment. When we're hiring someone for a job, do we looking for weaknesses in the CV? Mm-hmm. No. We're looking for strengths which we need. And we are hiring this person for these strengths and then saying, oh, no, you're not good enough. You have weaknesses. This is absolutely illogical. You know, why should do this? And many people do, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, I've experienced this and I've looked at it and it feels like I have to defend my very existence. And it's a horrible way to interview people. You're absolutely right. I feel it's a stronger leader or interviewer who looks at someone and sees the strengths, even if they're not a good fit, but at least values the person in front of them, honoring people for what they bring to the table, not cutting them down because they don't fit. Now, Oleg, what type of leader are you inspired by and why? Everyone who is a doer Mm -hmm. and a great visionaire is just encouraging me to the sky. Mm-hmm. I'm really lucky in my life because I had a chance to interact with a lot of great leaders. I'm a friend with Marshall Goldsmith. He's number one leadership guru, you know, and he is a great leader himself, mm-hmm. which is a great privilege. Learning from these people, what they're doing, they're challenging themselves in order to improve other people's lives and qualities. That is great leadership in my mm-hmm. view. I had a fantastic research supervisor. He's quite well-known, Professor Laszlo Polos from Durham University Business School. 
you know, he is quite a big guy in macroeconomics, organization theory. He doesn't talk much, he talks few words, but those few words could open you extremely broad and bright yeah. horizons. You know, he injects you with curiosity and energy and you just like walk into his office, Laszlo, look at that. It's a whole new world. Could I say that he is a leader, phenomenal leader, working in the fishing industry. Actually, I just like spent quite a few trips at sea. You know, this is one of the deadliest professions in the world. Mm -hmm. And these people taking life quite seriously, but they're under threat every moment. And you know, those meeting old fashioned skippers, captains, who's got a responsibility for lives, families, well-being, income of these people, and so of the boat, could I say that they are great leaders? Surely, yes. Because mm. they're calculating risk. They're calculating profit. They're absolutely top scientists of this area of the ocean, you know, and they've been facing all different situations. I'm talking about great captains who wouldn't take a risk which goes beyond a human life or some kind of a threat without reason. So everyone, or those leaders who are growing themselves, challenging themselves and working for people, this is sort of people I really admire. Oleg, you really painted a great picture. Like your energy comes through the sound waves. I want to tell you, I'm smiling. And at the same time, I've never even thought of that. When they go out, they have so much responsibility. And so they have to up their game as leaders. And I equate that with education. In education, we have a lot of lives that we're responsible for, their families, their future. There's so much at stake. And so we need to really invest in our leadership and how we lead ourselves and teach them to lead themselves. And to me, that's why I do what I do, because the principles of leadership should be taught and learned and coached. It's critically important. Yeah. What I do when I'm taking on board my students as a research supervisor or as a mentor, what I'm always saying, the picture which you have is fairly pinky. The real life is much tougher. This is like a very stormy ocean. So I wouldn't continue to add more pink colors into your life. But if you want to work really hard and get a great result, be ready that I would add some stormy shades. Mm. Then you will get better prepared. And 90% mm. of candidates saying yes. I'm really up to this because mm. I'm fed up of learning that everything bright in the future. I mm. want to be ready. This is important. And I see how you've intertwined your artful leadership <laughs> in there. Now, Ahmed, you mentioned a book. Can you tell us a bit about this? In March, my latest book, Corporate Superpower, was released. This is a book about what is it culture, its functions how to make it function best, how to turn it if it becomes negative. More or less, it's a step-by-step -step guide to the culture management. I'm really proud it's been named a Bible of culture management for modern leaders. It's gained excellent endorsement from John Spence, Shep Hyken, uh, Marshall Goldsmith, Anna Mamalaki, Rafael Lewis, you know, just mm -hmm. top people in these areas and really experts. What my aim was to bring on a table of every practitioner from small business to the large corporation, a clear definition how to manage culture. 
what resources they could gain using or managing culture properly. Because mm -hmm. culture gives us metaphysical resources. It's responsible for things like trust, teamwork, professionalism, innovativeness, accountability, and shared vision. These are excellent resources which we are often neglect. Why we're neglecting? Because we don't know how to develop them. And who is in charge? You can't put someone in your office and say, okay, you are now responsible for trust in the company. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it's a culture itself takes care of it. And as I mentioned, culture, if you're looking at it as something dynamic, which moves us forward every day, this is energy of many, many brought together in order to reach one goal, organizational goal. This is what I'm all about pretty proud about this work. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wonderful. And now, where can our listeners get your book, Corporate Superpower? It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, 800CO. It's actually quite available these days. Okay. It's in Kindle, in paperback, and the publisher is working now on audio version. Okay. So for you, you've been on many teams. What does it mean to have a good team and how do you build and sustain one? Let's think of a difference between a slave gully, where people are rowing hard without any chance for a future, and a Viking longboat, which is actually a team of 50, 70 warriors who are equal, whose talents and competences are praised, and so they are rewarded. Is a difference between them? Yes. Mm -hmm. Vikings conquered many cities, territories, you know, countries. But they're excellent example of a great team. Here is the difference between a team and just crowd in the office. It's again, it's like talking about a leader and a boss. A leader making a Viking boat. Boss is more about being on a deck and watching how these slaves are rowing. A huge difference. Good team consists of people who devote their talents, competences to one goal. But what's important in my view, each member asks for a team which cares of him. You know, I know that I'm working for a team and I know that team cares of me. Again, when you need a certain set of qualities to reach a goal, they should be combined together. It's like a really good effort. For instance, when I'm just building teams, it's not a job description like you could see on these job hunting sites. I'm looking for qualities, human values of potential team members, their competences, of course and I will try to see how it fit. And then it will come, oh, okay, I need men and women in a team because they have different qualities, different emotional qualities, different vision, mm -hmm. different colors. Somebody could be young, somebody mature, experienced, of course, specialists in different fields. But the main thing, they all should be prepared and willing to learn and willing to learn from each other. That would be a great team. I think on the top of the list that you mentioned for culture is trust. I did a podcast called Trust Manifesto, I believe is episode 18, mm -hmm. because that is so much on my heart. And I believe that it is the foundation of great leadership and a great organization. So can you speak to why trust, why that's important and how can we develop trust as leaders? I put it simple. Trust doesn't appear in the middle of nowhere, it's a person in relationship. Who sets the trust in a company? Leader. He sets the trust and then takes care of it growing. 
and it's a matter of his consistency, vision, words, actions. And if he's not consistent, the trust doesn't grow because mm -hmm. saying one thing, doing another thing, doesn't work. It doesn't help to grow trust. Again, when people see that they could trust their leader, they're much more attuned to trust each other. But if the leader is not consistent, they're trusting each other, but with a negative dimension because they are trusting each other against him mm. and against organizational goals. That's what makes our leader responsible for a trust. And again, as I mentioned, trust is a great resource. That's what we need. Right. And you have to work on it intentionally. Otherwise, it doesn't grow. So yes, thank you so much for that. Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. If you haven't downloaded your copy of the Master Leadership Journal, go to masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ to get instant access and begin growing your leadership with questions that have been curated by top-level leaders. I've also included some cool extras for you at masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ. Oleg, what's the best advice you've ever received? Years ago, I've been talking with old Canadian gentleman, businessman, actually retired, having a coffee, chatting about something. And he just said to me about himself, actually, when I'm starting something, thinking about something new or change, I'm prepared for learning and consider myself as a little kid who explores a whole new world every time. I thought that this is the best advice because it helps me to keep my eyes open every time on every issue, which is even well known to me, but that allows me to look at it from different sides, from different perspectives. That makes me better professional. This helps me to step over my professional ego, which is a horrible thing for everyone. I know this far better than anyone else. That's it. You stop learning. Yeah. This helps me to look at every project, everything, all the time, and think and think and learn. And so to grow. I appreciate that because what I hear on my end is that you have to humble yourself. And to me, humility and wisdom are so connected. You can't have wisdom without humility. That's the hard part, right? We all want wisdom, but we don't want the humility. But it's so connected. Thank you. That's great advice. <laughs> so, Ole, can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it's shaped your life? Have you ever met people whose life has always been smooth and silky? I don't think so. Some people say it is. Yeah. Actually, I don't believe such people. Yes. I don't believe people who say that they never lost, that mm -hmm. they've always been a winners. That means they actually can't be winners because any turbulence and they're down. Mm -hmm. Actually, the transition to consultancy and independent research wasn't easy for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I just found myself on my own with a pile of problems, mm -hmm. standing in the middle of nowhere with all these possible troubles. You don't have a clearly defined, it's some kind of a tangible goal. I've been facing a tremendous competition for uniqueness, actually. I believe everyone who is involved in research or developing project, everyone fighting for this uniqueness. When you're exploring a new field, mm -hmm. you don't have supporters. You have all sorts of troublemakers around who drags you down. They're mm -hmm. not pushing you up. They're just telling, oh, no, it wouldn't work. No, 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 it's silly. It doesn't work, you know. This is worse than competition. Yes. 
And another issue, I took probably the toughest route before immersing into proper consultancy, I decided, no, 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 I need to do some kind of a research and come up with something unique. This is what a risky bet, you know, but I took it. Mm -hmm. I decided that I need to walk into consultancy, not only with experience and doctoral under my belt, but something more. And I decided to develop a management concept explaining how organizations are different. So I developed a management concept called organizational anatomy, wrote a book about it, organizational anatomy. This is a management concept which looks at different organizations from a biological perspective. And this is a typological system of different organizations, like producers, knowledge-dependent organizations, location-dependent organizations, donor-dependent organizations, and state-affiliated organizations. Mm-hmm. And so they're different. For instance, universities, they're knowledge-dependent. They're generating and passing knowledge. Their product is knowledge. Right. For instance, explaining optimum configuration of different organizations, that allows me to develop a system how to recognize corporate diseases and pathologies. That made my points in consultancy much better, but it was a tough moment. I found myself like on an edge, either to quit or continue. Yes. I'm not getting income, money melts down. I'm just like where I am, how far to go, you know, one day sitting and thinking what to do. Mm-hmm. And it just like a thunderbolt stroke me. What is greater, my dreams and ideas? Or problems. And I thought, no, 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 hold on. My dreams are greater than any problem. And that moment changed a lot for me. It shaped my view on challenges, obstacles, whatever I must put in on everything. I thought later, when setting goals, I must set them so high they should be much greater than any possible problem. That's like a great stimulus. Yes. You know, it's about a leader having a great vision and being persistent because that vision was gifted to you. And so I see how you protected and how you're persistent because you see something others don't see. To get this, you must appreciate everything that was given to you. If you're not appreciating it, you wouldn't be giving anymore. And again, you wouldn't value it. You will be taking it for granted. You know, that's helping me so much because I understand that I've gone through that and I'm going through some of that as well. Thank you for gifting me with that. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so tell us about one of your greatest successes. You know, this is the toughest question for me because I've done quite a few things in my life, but that's recently because it's more in the light of what I'm doing today. Organizational anatomy, for instance, it's gained endorsement from financial times where they say that i'm getting under the skin of any organization and help them to function best well fantastic not so many people getting ft endorsement corporate superpower it's as i mentioned they call the bible of culture management mm-hmm. and marshall goldsmith is very kind person but he is not spilling words for nothing and he mm-hmm. endorsed corporate superpower as a great coaching and culture from a great thinker so the guy gone from all the way through from the bottom to up you know that's a great achievement mm-hmm. small business trends said that i'm setting trends in business is it a big success yes but actually all of this is just a pole position for new achievements for new projects for new ideas. Mm. You're just in the middle of the journey. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> we don't know when we will pass away. Ask me a day before. <laughs> I'm laughing because I love that. Some of our listeners are actually older leaders, so we would consider ourselves older leaders. But it's encouraging to hear from someone with so much experience and who is not in their 20s or 30s, right? No, I've only that, that was, <laughs> We've only just begun or we're in the <laughs> middle of this, right? And that's encouraging because I listened to an audiobook where our prime, where we can give the most or where we can produce the most is between our 40s and 60s. And uh, that's encouraging. It is. I have well, a few good years left in me, Oleg. Well, I'm also not extremely young, but I've still got a bit of spark. That's wonderful. I really appreciate this. So, Oleg, I'm imagining that by this time, our listeners want to connect with you. What's the best way to do that? I have a website, okay. olegkonawalov.com. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and I'm responsive. So just to be clear, that's O-L-E-G. K-O-N-O-V-A-L-O-V dot com. Now, Oleg, what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? Yes, I've seen these cases, but leadership reflects a state of culture. You know, if he is a bad leader, a bad culture only reflects his bad qualities. That means leader needs to be honest about himself first. What he is doing to make this culture strong and productive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But telling that, oh, I got wrong people, everything bad, it's more about improving, enhancing the culture. Problems with culture only shows that organization is not managed carefully. It's managed like some kind of a joyriders. Instead of setting good standards or improving culture, cultivating great culture, they're setting up some kind of internal civil wars, provoking people, oh, you need to do better. You know, before asking, be an example. Mm -hmm. Show that you don't have double standards. Show that you are with them. Be with them. A leader actually is responsible for the state of employees, depends on whatever the leader is building, whether it's positive or negative culture. If you do something great today for your culture, that means on the next week report, you will see a better result. If you're not, you'll see another result. But what is the problem? Leadership is not about past. It's about future. So, if someone took an organization as a new leader, which is not in the best shape, he's got a great opportunity to drive it to success. He just don't put his hands up. Just put them down on the issues and make them. That's extremely important. Mm -hmm. That's great self-challenge and great opportunity. It's like mm, 400 years ago, whatever first settlers who came to America, Mm -hmm. what they got green fields and challenges and america survived and they grown what will happen if these people will be coming saying oh we don't have a banana trees everywhere it is a challenge but it is very rewarding challenge a leader defines culture but if he is not taking care of it that means some shadow people will take care of it and they will drive it mm -hmm. surely not for success they will drive it for own interests. Mm -hmm. So you need to take this steering wheel of this machine. You can't leave it to somebody else. You know what, Oleg, one of the reasons why I put this in here, it comes from my experience. I was in two different organizations where the foundation was lack of trust and not trust. And 
the responsibilities I was given, it was supposed to be bigger, but it was minimized. And I did take the responsibilities that I was given and I created a different culture within that responsibility. But it was so difficult to create change in the whole organization because the top person was always sabotaging. And that happens a lot in education, which is sad, which I want to disrupt. <laughs> I've been facing it myself and I still see it quite often. You see, the problem is they're calling themselves leaders. They're more of administrators. As we said before, they're exercising their power instead of saying, we would make this university great. We would make it as a great house for the building and growing mm -hmm. knowledge for every generation. This is important. I only could imagine what sort of challenges you faced. And also people believe that they could flick a finger and everything would be done overnight. No. Right. <laughs> Culture takes quite a while to get it, you mm -hmm. know, sorted, a girl fixed and then grow. It's quite a long journey with everyday responsibilities. You mentioned that you were a leader coach. How yep. important is it for leaders to have coaches? It is. You need to have an honest reflection of what you do and where are you at a certain point. Mm -hmm. Your self-reflection not always the right thing because you could be missing very critical points. You're forgiving yourself to some extent because when you're talking to yourself, you're trying to be honest and confessing to yourself, oh, I am good in this and good in that. I'm not good in this, but I would ignore it because it was some different circumstances. That means you eventually think no to improvement and a good, strong coach can tell you what to pay attention for. This is extremely important. And again, you're learning from coach learning about others, you're learning about yourself, learning for improvement. That means you are changing. Without change, you can't win this competition, which we are facing every day. You're becoming dead. And the coach is a great help. Yes. And certainly, we owe it to the people that we lead to continue to work on ourselves. Otherwise, you are becoming short-term leader. This goes into our next question about being a lifelong learner. What does that mean to you and what are you learning now? It is a great interest for me because when you're learning, you could see something new in this life. New shades, new colors, new perspectives, everything ever so different. Mm -hmm. And I love learning, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm learning how to be a better leader. I'm discussing corporate ideology, an important factor in my latest book, this corporate superpower. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to learn more about it, not political ideology, but corporate ideology. Mm -hmm. For instance, imagine big university with a lot of alumni, you know, this is like a small state with thousands of people, but how they united under this coat of arms. Mm -hmm. You know, the problem is that as soon as people graduated and they're living university they're saying oh yeah i'm graduated from this business school or from this university but what puts them together what is shaping their minds and hearts for years ahead what kind of dna imprinted mind dma imprinted and they're recognizing each other across the globe and supporting each other mm. ideology and this is a great subject i'm looking into it in deeper and deeper along with other prospects. 
and mm-hmm. research. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, if there were something you could change in education, what would that be? Initially, I thought about this issue when I've been studying for MBA and doctoral. You know, formal education considers itself only responsible for baking qualifications. They're not making professionals. But business needs professionals. Mm-hmm. So it is a gap between mm-hmm. demand and an offer. Business demands professionals or specialists, mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. least. But the university is saying, no, no, no. We'll give you the guys with qualification. But this is a huge difference. Because qualification means just that you know basics without any practical application. And this is a trouble for universities these days. They're raising number of students for a better pay, but it should be some kind of a twist in approach. How to get these people ready for a real life where business could take this young graduate immediately into this everyday battlefield. That's what's important. Mm-hmm. Not just saying, oh, we need to take him on board and spend another few months or even years to get him ready to do a proper job. Right. This is why these graduates not so well paid, which is fair. They're not fit into the high level of being paid. And this is a big field, a new field for the universities to develop themselves, which they're not exploring at all. They're Mm -hmm. touching it, but not exploring. Mm -hmm. You know, they're looking like from outside. Another thing I see is a good leader is a book-wise, street-wise, and nature-wise person. Universities preparing book-wise people. Yes, streetwise is a responsibility of life and family or whatever the experience. But for instance, nature-wise, and I'm talking from a uh, perspective of the business studies, these people, when they graduate and they have none or very little knowledge about nature, about art, about something which defines their creativity. So they are creative, but why not to help them to grow better in this sense? to add some more important subjects to these fields. Mm. Because when they're getting into the business, what kind of human values they could bring to it? What kind of human emotions they could bring to it? What kind of a beauty they could bring to it? That's what I would be looking at. Well, I appreciate it. You know, and as you were talking, again, your art passion came through. But also, I think about leadership skills. To me, that actually needs to be taught because it's about leading yourself well. And if students are taught to lead themselves well, then you have a better employee as well. Absolutely. Because a good student, he is always waiting for a deadline. He's always doing everything two nights before an exam. He's busy. But this is self-discipline, mm-hmm. which must mm-hmm. be taught. Yeah. Work hard towards a big goal. Great. Thank you so much. Now, yeah. Oleg, what have you read, watched, or listened to that our listeners should as well, and why? I love reading Paulo Coelho. He's very inspiring, mm-hmm. and I love him. But in a more practical way, I've just been reading the latest book by Sally Helgeson and Marshall Goldsmith, How Women Rise. This is not only for women. We need in the business this women's energy and talents to add more value to the world. And they're just like in simple language, they're explaining how to help them. And again, if you're a leader, 
and surely you have women in your team, you need to help them to grow because you will get extremely loyal people in your team and extremely capable and extremely valuable. So I love this book, How Women Rise. Excellent. Great. Thank you. Now, Oleg, you have a lot of responsibilities. So what do you do on a daily basis to set your mind? What is it a responsibility? In my view, it's obligations to yourself and to others. Mm-hmm. And if you're taking uh, these obligations, so you said yes for something, you're obliged to do this. In a time agreed and in quality expected. Again, self-discipline, nothing less, nothing more. I wouldn't be much original on this, but self-discipline is a key driver. If you're not self-disciplined, forget about being a leader. How I could tell people what to do and how to do if I can't control myself. Right. People have a very keen eye on this. They will watch you. And if you're missing something, it will be tough to restore it. So what do you do daily to set your mind? At least a bit of writing. Whether it is an article, whether it is a new book or client's report. I love writing in this sense. Because I keep a feeling of the subject all the way through the assignment. Another thing, I must read every day something which is of my interest. Whether it would be history or business or some kind of natural science, you know, I must read it. How many hours do I need to work? Assume nine. That's a good balance. I have one and a half years old son at my age. So What's his name? Sava. And this is, you could imagine. A lot of energy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Little rocket. <laughs> yes, yes. So I need to plan it. Right. Thank you for sharing that. And this is important, Oleg. The reason I ask this question is because sometimes we are on a go, 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 go. And it's important to hear from effective leaders how they intentionally set their minds daily so that the day doesn't control them, but they drive the day. You need to have a time for reflection, observing life, exploring mm-hmm. something new, and do it as often as possible. If you're not exploring something new, what you would bring on the table tomorrow to your people? Nothing. The same old story. It's not just boring. It's not effective. Eventually, if you're not planning those things, you would be drawn into this swamp of routine. We're not machines. We're humans. It's very dangerous in terms of losing own self. I don't believe in a myth that people can work long hours and remain being creative. No way. Creativity needs a freedom of thoughts coming from reflection, from something new which inspires you. So we need this time for yourself. Again, if you're taking too much responsibility, too much in terms of what you could do, you're not fathoming your own abilities and capacities. That means you are not professional. Promising too much is not professional at all. If you're over-delivering, you're professional. I love that you said if you're over-delivering, you're professional. And I want to add, if you are over-delivering, that's leadership as well. Yes. So thank you so much for that. Now, Oleg, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? First, don't rush to call yourself a leader. Just reflecting back what I have been through myself in my life, you know, it's great when you think, oh, I'm a leader. Don't rush. Learn how to change your own self first, how to serve people. Learn how to make small steps, but dream big. Learn how to command yourself. 
So don't rush to call yourself a leader. And another issue, I believe it's quite important, it's about avoiding this pinky picture. 100 years ago, Henry Ford said that thinking is the hardest job, and this is why not so many people prepare to do it. <laughs> you know this. Yes. Need to be prepared to work hard in terms of thinking every day, every morning. But this is a very rewarding responsibility. But before you get reward, you must work hard. <laughs> this is what I would be saying to myself. Wonderful. Now, Oleg, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't addressed? But talking about leadership, what is it? This is charisma plus pragmatically rational management based on ability to recognize values important for people. You know, this is a bit of equation. What you put into people, you will get such a result. How you could gain it through implementing a strong culture because no leader could put his hands on everything and every moment. You don't have 20 hands. But if you maintain a strong culture, culture will take care of these processes where all humans involved, you know. Mm -hmm. So take care of culture. It will reflect your strong leadership mm -hmm. and it will be rewarded. Oleg, thank I you. want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Really, thank you to you. And this is a great conversation. I had a great time. Thank you so much. And have an amazing day. Same to you. And thank you very much, Lily. Thanks for inviting. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.